Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscaping professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of four best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, The Lawn Care Advantage, winning strategies for a thriving landscaping business. Available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Now, here's your host. Paul Jamison. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Green Industry Podcast. I hope you are doing well and business is booming. Your neck of the woods, if you're listening to this in the dog days of summer, I know it's over 100 degrees in Austin, Texas, where our special guest is today. It's about 90 here in Atlanta. Hopefully you're staying hydrated and cool and uh, hopefully your bank accounts are uh, beefing up and, and, and growing and uh, you're making money um, here kind of in peak season. Well, our special guest today is Nolan Gore. He is the owner at Top Choice Lawn Care in Austin, Texas. They have over a thousand lawn mowing customers, uh, about 65 employees. Uh, they do north of $6 million in revenue a year. Uh, I'm going to definitely pick your brain, Nolan, about these 400 plus uh, Google reviews, 4.9 star rating over there. Very impressive. And uh, I know the Austin uh, real estate market is booming. And so I know that's got to be good for um, lawn care landscaping businesses uh, down there. So before we hear uh, Nolan's story and how um, he has uh, built such an impressive uh, lawn care and landscaping business in the Austin, uh, Austin Texas market, I want to let you guys know there's a brand new podcast show out. It's called the Masters of Home Service Podcast, and it's actually by our friends at Jobber. Their show comes out weekly on Tuesdays, and they interview folks from uh, the painting industry, of course, lawn care industry, uh, the HVAC industry, uh, pressure washing, you know, power washing, house cleaning industry, junk removal industry, um, house cleaning. It goes on and on. Pretty much every home service-based business you could imagine, um, they feature small business owners talking about their business and what they're learning. And I was so blessed to get to hang out with several of these folks. Uh, recently, we went to Nashville, uh, Tennessee, and we recorded these these podcast episodes, and I learned a lot. I mean, business is business. You, you need a customer. You need to serve them well. You need to charge them the right price. You need to have a team that can do it in an efficient way. And, and, and it's the same. We were all, you know, just having dinner talking um, everyone from a different industry. And it's like, we had the same problems, <laughs> every single last one of us, you know, we're just smiling and laughing, sharing these stories. And, uh, thankfully we, you know, th these, these are go-getters that have solutions too, not just problems, but, you know, are solving these issues. And so I think you'll find a lot of wisdom from these episodes. I was extremely humbled to get to meet these folks and, uh, they are very sharp, very successful. So again, add to your podcast library, masters of home service, uh, it's put on by Jobber, and, and they they went out and, and captured some phenomenal stories. So, all righty. Well, without further ado, today we're going to be chatting with Nolan from Austin, Texas. Welcome to the program, Nolan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I was uh, researching y'all. We get all kind of inquiries of people wanting to be on the show, and and nine out of ten of them we 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 unfortunately don't you know bring on. But I was looking up your pro, uh, company. I was like, man, you guys are crushing it in Austin, Texas. So. Um, I know that's a budding city and, and you're, you're, you're crushing it there. So I wanted you to share your story. 
I appreciate it very much. Yeah, we're we're having a lot of success. It doesn't mean there's not a thousand things we should be doing differently and better. We're trying to learn and improve every day. It's a big part of our culture. And it's frustrating. I keep having to tell my team, look, we're at an eight. We can get to a nine and a half. So eight is good. We can, but we're feeling this angst every day about wanting to improve. How do we carry that weight between an eight and a nine and a half or a little higher than that even? And what are the steps for us to get there? So I'm excited to talk to you and the audience about, about those things and how we got to this point. Yeah. Well, speaking of how you got to this point, Nolan, tell, tell us the origin story. How, how did you start your company? Yeah. So I am the son of a landscape entrepreneur. I, I was the kid running around the office, shooting rubber bands at people um, all growing up. And um, I, so I'm, I'm born and raised in Austin, Texas. Um, didn't know that that was a unique thing, that that's what my dad did. He and my mom were originally from Kansas and they moved down here and my dad didn't know what he was going to do. And he joined my uncle in their landscape venture. They had a lot of success in that. Ended up selling that company in the 90s. Uh, my dad went on to do other things and actually entered the landscaping industry again in 2005, 2006. Um, and so I went to college at Texas A&M um, and didn't know what I wanted to do after that. I was looking at a bunch of stuff. I was a finance guy and went and worked at Wells Fargo for a summer in their oil banking. And I was miserable. Um, and so I did the logical thing, which is walk outside, which is always a scary thing in the summer in Houston. And I called the Marine Corps. Um, and they, through that process, ended up joining the Marine Corps, did four years in the Marine Corps, had great experience there. But we had, my, my, I married my high school sweetheart. We, we had our first kid, a daughter, um, at near the end of that time in the Marine Corps. Um, and I, I honestly, I think it's important to note here that I went into the Marine Corps for various reasons, pretty well thought out. But in retrospect, a big reason I went into the Marine Corps was to kind of escape my dad's shadow. He's been very, very successful in the small business world here around Austin. And I wanted to go do something else that he hadn't done. Um, so I had a very positive experience in the Marine Corps and getting out was looking at different things to do. And someone came to my dad. So this is not, I wasn't planning this, um, someone came to my dad and said, Hey, I have this little residential landscaping company that I'd love to sell. Um, my dad came to me and said, do you want to put your life savings into a company that's not making any money? And I said, that sounds really fun. So 2016, <laughs> end of 16, beginning of 17, I came on board at, at top choices and owner. Um, at that point, the company was doing, uh, 1.6 million. Um, so not tiny, but, uh, not, not huge. Um, and now seven, six and a half years later, we're doing, we're going to probably do six and a half million this year. We've got 65 employees, um, run primarily maintenance. It's all residential. We, we have 11 Moblo, uh, crews and some beds and shrubs. And then we, um, have four enhancement crews. We do basically light construction. We don't do any kind of hardscape or anything like that. Um, we out, we sub our FERT or our CAM. Um, we do irrigation in house. Um, we do holiday lights and that's how I got to this point. Just trying to do grow at a reasonable rate every year. And, um, the end state will be becoming the largest residential landscaping company in Austin. Um, I believe that's a very doable thing. God willing. 
and uh, we're having a lot of fun doing it. So I guess last stat that's important to give out about a thousand, almost 200, uh, 1,200 Mo customers at this point. Um, and about 50% of our revenue is maintenance and then 30% enhancements, uh, about eight, nine percent irrigation and the rest falls into that bucket of Kim holiday lights other. That is super impressive. So, uh, tell us Nolan, what have you learned uh, in growing this business? And when you, you know, started the, the business was obviously not, not doing too hot. What, what has been the biggest principles or, or leadership lessons that you've learned to, to get your business to where it's at today? So I think it's important to note that the business had an excellent reputation before I was here. And my business partner, who's still in the business, was doing a good job of running it, but really needed support. And so um, I came in and added that support. Um, and now I am the majority owner and and Golden, my partner, is still here and is a vital part of this business. Um, but adding that uh, extra uh, manpower, brain power, managerial leadership power, um, helped us move, um, along the way and God sent us some people along the way. That's been really important. Um, now if I'm talking about leadership lessons, I, I honestly, it, it really, everything comes back to the soft skill of sales and the soft skill of managing people and dealing with humans, right? This is a very human heavy business. And that's, that is the reason I am here. I think God made me to be a leader of, of men and to figure out how to work in a heavy human business. I could have gone and done real estate or something like that. Um, but I think that I'm, I'm made to be around a lot of people and to figure out the human mess. Um, and every day it, that that's not science, that's art. Um, and I, I'm good at it some days and not so good at it other days. Um, but I, I do think the biggest takeaway is to figure out how to not just manage, but lead people and then attract and retain both from a compensation perspective, but also from a human care perspective, really great people that can propitiate that culture and propel it forward. So it's not just a reflection of me as a leader. It's a reflection of this group of people that have decided to coalesce around a single mission um, and continue to take us forward. That's a lot of um, maintenance, Nolan, you know, 50% and over a thousand uh, lawn mowing customers. Um, how do you get employees to work in that Austin weather and heat to, you know, show up day after day to go do the monotonous mow edge trim blow. What, what have you learned to, to kind of attract people who are reliable and dependable doing such difficult work? And, and I can't imagine your climate. I know it's hot here in Atlanta. My brother lives in Austin and I hear it gets, it gets real hot down there. So what, what have you learned of, of employee retention and attracting some thoroughbred employees? Yeah. So it's, it's over a hundred degrees today. It's pretty brutal. Um, every year, um, I, I don't think there is a single answer that can cover everything on this. Um, but we have had a lot of discussions about what this practically looks like. So, um, I think if I was going to answer that in a way that is digestible, I think you have like a players love to play with a players, right? Like anybody that's good, doesn't want to play with anybody that's bad. 
um, it's on a sports team, it's in a lawn crew. Um, and so finding those people, rewarding them appropriately, in some cases paying above or well above market, having an operation that performs at a high enough level that can afford to pe- to pay those people at that level, um, communicating through the inevitable difficult times, creating a culture that uh, re- retains those people when, when other companies try to poach them. We, I mean, every one of the people on this uh, that are listening to this will remember specifically last year when it felt like everyone could leave and make an extra $3 anywhere else because everything's just so hot. We had tons of those conversations. In some cases, we had to give raises. In other cases, we had to look them in the eye and say, I can't do that right now, but remember where we've been and remember where we're going, and that's important. And in some cases, we lost those people. Oftentimes, a really positive thing has been that they've come back. We've had a number of key people leave and come back, which has been really encouraging and a reflection of the team that we have here that cares for them and the level of crew that's out there um, because they'll, again, A players like to work with A players. They don't want to go somewhere, be mistreated, make a little bit more money and just hate life. And, and they know that we're doing everything possible to put them in a position to succeed from a life perspective. Um, in many cases, they've got family or friends that work alongside them. So doing all of the brilliance in the basics, that's the Marine term, um, doing all the little things really well for a long period of time, build a reputation, not only for customers, and maybe this is a good, a good transition to how to build a reputation for customers, but it also builds more importantly, a reputation among your team so that you can retain and continue to grow. Yeah. You mentioned it, Nolan. One of the things that stood out to me when I kind of vetted y'all, y'all's company to, to be on the show is that your Google reviews were strong quantity and quality. You guys, you know, have so many reviews from, from people praising different parts of your team uh, for, for, you know, the, the whole um, experience with your company seems to be very positive. And I want, I'm curious how you, how you built that reputation and what kind of intentionality you put into that, to have uh, a reputation where someone from Atlanta can look at bird's eye view into your company and see, wow, the, the, these guys are legit and, and trustworthy, reliable, dependable, do good work. How do, I know that was built with a lot of um, excellent customer service and, and intentionality, but what, what did you do to gain that reputation um, in the Austin market? So I, I did, I preach the gospel of Google reviews internally constantly. I think that it had that, that message has to come from the very top. Um, and so everyone here knows that I'm going to be asking them if they've been asking for reviews in every situation that is positive. And that feels a little bit schmarmy because, um, I mean, going and asking for recognition is kind of a strange thing in American culture. Uh, I guess it's becoming less strange and that's kind of a different conversation, but I find it so important from a business building perspective that I, I push on it really hard. Now we can talk some tactics, but let me talk a little bit about what I find is unique about that and interesting that people don't realize usually. Of course, it matters from a customer, uh, a customer perspective. Customers care about that kind of thing. There's so many studies about that. But interestingly, I believe that it is just as important for attracting really good employees. 
specifically office staff, but also the crew. The number of times I've had people apply for our company and say, you know, one of the reasons I want to be here is because you guys have a really good reputation. People want, again, really good people want to work with really good people and they want to be associated with something that is respected. Um, And so there is tangible score on there's a tangible score online that does that and it's now google reviews specifically for us now you can do that for yelp and other places as well but it's a very real thing in our business um tactically i am just shameless about asking for them i any chance i get i ask for them um i try very very hard not to break any of google's policies uh, because i don't want to get in a fight with that behemoth i'm just going to get smashed but I try to uh, bring it up any chance I get. So if it is a friend um, that I know, as long as we do work for them, um, I will ask them for a review. If it is uh, someone that knows me that um, has had a positive interaction in any way with our business, even if they haven't done work with them, I'll ask for a review. I don't ask them to be dishonest. I asked them to just say, uh, these people are great. If it's, um, <laughs> honestly, I've asked spam callers for reviews and I've gotten spam callers to write reviews because they think it's funny. Um, I've asked random people in parking lots that liked our trucks for reviews. I've had, um, but I, I think that tactically inside the business, I, um, there's a number of things that we've seen that work over time. But it's, again, brilliance and basics is asking consistently in a way that is extraordinarily easy for the customer to do. So it is putting the link in front of them, not just in an email because people are inundated in emails, but it's in a text message. It's looking them in the eye. It's my irrigators looking them in the eye and saying, hey, I'm literally right now going to send you a text message will you please write us a five-star review? Part of my compensation is tied to this. And I bonus our irrigation guys specifically based on um, those reviews. That's not against Google's policy. From what I understand, you're not supposed to, you can't pay a customer, reward a customer for giving you a review, but customers like to help out your employees when they're all, when they've worked hard for them. A really easy tactic that I love to employ Um, that's been very successful is we say, Hey, if you appreciated this work that was done today, tip your crew, but we're going to pay them for you. All you have to do is write at this review. If you mention this guy's name, we're going to give him $10 for you, or we're going to give each person on your team, uh, team $10 for you in as a tip from you. Um, Cause I would pay $30 all day for a Google review from someone that's actually happy. And that little nudge, puts that customer that makes them feel good about themselves. It makes our, it means our marketing budget essentially goes to our employees instead of to a marketing firm. And it, um, it helps the crew out, you know, I mean, like it was just, it was really good for the business. So we recently, like you said, we recently passed 445 five-star reviews. We've got a 4.9 on Google or the highest rated in town where they've got the most reviews of anybody in town. It makes it a really easy decision when a customer looks at us versus a competitor and maybe we're three, four, five, seven, ten dollars more per mo. They still make that choice because you know reputationally we have we are going to take care of them. Now on the the defense side, because uh, that's offense. On a defensive side, I am constantly um fighting against every review. I, I there's there's clearly a dollar amount that's not worth 
I mean, if, if someone wants to fight you for five hundred dollars, um, at some point there's a line in there that's like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna solve a problem that I think is completely unjustifiable for a customer because they're just a Karen that's unsatisfiable in order to prevent a bad review. But if it's a hundred dollars, like I'm going to go figure that thing out, not just because of the review, but because I think it's generally the right thing to do. I don't want to have a multi-decade relationship with these people. Um, and so I fight real, my team knows that I'm going to, I'm going to hear about, and I'm going to dig into every single negative review because it's a part of our reputation. Um, I think what I'd end on there, um, and this is the most important lesson, is good reviews follow excellent service, not the other way around. So you have to be performing at a really high level in order to expect people to give these things. Um, but it, it really matters from a growth perspective. It's it's the cheapest way to keep getting customers over the long term to, so you don't have to pay for those ads. Yeah, totally. Well, that's that's very, very well done. At the Green Industry Podcast, we're sitting at 379, and, and I know we've, you know, grinded and hustled and, and been very um, intentional to ask folks to leave a rating and review, and whether it's in podcasting or whether it's a home service-based business, people are going to look at our social proof, and, and when we can have that credibility build up online, no matter what the industry is, um, I was just looking at someone's Google reviews that's in a completely other thing that I'm getting ready to purchase. And, and it's, it's the way of the future for sure. So you, you guys are absolutely crushing it. And that's very, well, very the well good done. news. Stop wasting time responding to website inquiries that are not in profitable service areas. Let my service area filter those inquiries for you so you know every inquiry will be in one or more of your profitable areas. My service area is a secretary for your website that will only allow good leads and inquiries through your website. This means no more looking up addresses and responding to people that you cannot service. Using my service area will allow you to focus on certain areas which help build dense routes. Daily miles traveled matter more than ever today, so knowing your numbers and how far you can travel mean everything to your success. Start saving time and become more efficient today with My Service Area. You can learn more at myserviceareacom forward slash Paul. Again, that's myserviceareacom forward slash Paul. Are you in the market for a new high-performance mower? Look no further than the Kubota Z200. This mower combines quality, comfort, and ease of use all in one package. And now select models come with the new K-Ride Comfort System for optimized comfort. Experience the elevated zero-turn performance with the three-point system and choose from cutting decks ranging from 42 to 54 inches. Plus, the Kubota Z200 comes with Kawasaki engines. Don't wait to experience the difference for yourself. Visit KubotaUSA.com for more information and to find your local Kubota dealer. Do you spend too much time worrying about the safety and security of your vehicles and machines? Are you tired of the hassle of building schedules and routes for your crews? Well, GPS Track It is here to help. They understand that keeping your assets safe and managing your crews efficiently are crucial tasks, but they don't have to be your job. Let GPS Track It take some of the mental load off with their cutting-edge tools, including real-time asset tracking, optimized routing, efficiency reports, and 
and more. With GPS Track It, you can focus on your real job, building your business. So why wait? Visit gpstrackit.com slash Paul to get started and experience peace of mind like never before. Say goodbye to disorganized and inefficient business management. Upgrade to Jobber, the field service management software. Streamline every aspect of your business from quoting to invoicing. Impress your customers and increase your productivity. Start your journey to success with Jobber now at getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. The good news is for all of your listeners, um, our, our host here has committed to paying me $10 for every review you guys leave immediately following this podcast. So every one of you, I'm just kidding. He hasn't said to do that, but um, you should go write a review right now. Everyone. Well played. Well played. I'm curious about the, um, the, the you, you kind of talked a little bit about the excellent customer service, but I'm, I'm really kind of curious, Nolan, your, your infrastructure with your employees, how, how do you kind of have things set up so, so you have an airtight operation? Because I know with lawn mowing, at least in Atlanta, there's little room for air. Um, it's such a competitive um, service to offer. So how do you kind of structure your um, those 65 employees? What, wh- who's doing the labor? Who's doing the overseeing? What, what have you kind of found uh, works best to, to make sure you guys are turning the, the highest profit margin as possible? I'm, I would say we're far from airtight. Um, we've got, we've still got some significant improvement that we need to, to make. Um, the analogy I keep using with our team is I feel like the kid on Easter, he's like, you know, everyone's seen a three-year-old going around and picking up eggs and how funny it is to watch them waddling around. Um, I feel like we're just dropping eggs out the back of the basket. Every three we pick up, we're dropping one out. And it's killing me. Um, I think we've lost maybe 10 customers in the last month just for stupid little mistakes that absolutely there's no excuse for them. Um, Leaving the gate open, not for the first time, but for the second or third time just drives me absolutely crazy. So anyone that's struggling with that stuff with your team or even with yourself, it's, that's a normal real thing And the frustration around it's a normal real thing. Again, what I said at the very beginning is just, how do we move from uh, really, really good to um, top line excellence? And in your language, how do we move to airtight? Because uh, we're just leaking. Um, and that's the question we're struggling with internally. And we we hopefully will for all forever be struggling with, right? I don't ever want to be satisfied with the level of service. I don't really want to be done growing um, personally, at least in the near term from a revenue perspective. But to answer your general question around staffing, I've got ooh, three and a half people that answer phones full time. Um, I say half because one of them does a lot of the billing. Um, I've got a kind of back end operations person who's responsible for a lot of the data um, and some of the more complicated billing things we run into and a lot of the tickets. We use Service Autopilot. Um, so software is super important for us from a scaling perspective. Um, we have a full-time maintenance and enhancement operations manager. We have a full-time irrigation manager. Um, we've got a north office uh, manager with a, he also does all of our hiring um, from a crew perspective. 
Um, and then I'm sure oh, I've got three estimators that sell all the enhancements. Um, so that's a big, a pretty big overhead staff. I, I didn't even mention my partner and I, which plays a big role, um, obviously. Um, and then the rest is crew um, or irrigation techs. Um, that structure seems to be working for us, but it's always shifting a bit. So we're trying to figure out what are ways of improving. This is a big thing for me. I want everyone to know that they are able to accomplish their best God-given talents. That doesn't mean necessarily today, but I want to be edging in that direction all the time. So how do I find that zone of genius for each of these people, put them in a position to succeed, give them the resources they can succeed? Because when people are in that zone, they are the most efficient. They are the most satisfied with their work. Um, and so we're constantly having that conversation. I mean, we had that conversation this morning, had that conversation every day this week, honestly, with indiv- different individuals as I'm doing quarterly reviews um, with them just to see how I can help push them in those directions to succeed and better support the business. I, honestly, I think as we scale, if we double, when we double in the next three or four years, um, I, I think that the structure will shift. I think we're currently carrying too high a percentage of overhead and that's going to help our margin some. Um, I think that some of that efficiency will come with some creative ways of supporting specifically our enhancement, uh, estimators, some creativity around how to support customer service and improve some of the systems we use to interact with customers, not to decrease the level of service, but to hopefully increase the level of service while still, um, dropping the number of bodies that we need to support our customers um, as a percentage. And uh, it's, I mean, man, we've got so far to go. It's, it's frustrating, but also exciting. In regards to the lawn mowing, since you guys do so much of that, is this a one man crew, two man crew, three man crew? What, what, what is your actual labor force look like for the folks who are actually mowing the grass? We primarily run as easy box trucks, 16 foot boxes, three man crews. Now, I think that there's an argument, a really good argument to be made for two-man crews. Um, Historically, we've had trouble finding the level of quality we need from a crew member perspective and finding drivers. So a lot of our best, longest-tenured folks don't have driver's licenses. Um, And so that requires a higher percentage of people or a higher number on the crew just because the, the driving has to happen. I think that you can make a pretty good argument on many of the routes and on many of on from a data perspective, you can make a really good argument on many of the routes and on many of the lawns specifically that you can do it more efficiently with two. But of course that's a tremendous shift from our current model, both from an equipment and a routing perspective. And that's not something we've gone towards yet. Um, I think that in the coming years, that's something we'll address and think about more um, as we grow. But at the current, the current setup is essentially two 36 inch Toro or X mark mowers. Um, of course the smaller equipment needed with that, with weeders and, and blowers, um, and then one twenty-one inch for harder to access yards. Um, we're doing a lot of smaller lawns. So, um, we're looking at like 25 to 30 plus yards a day for that crew. We run four tents. Fantastic. Well, I know I got a hard stop knowing we could keep talking shop uh, all day. Hopefully we can bring you on for a part two or 
next time I'm down in Austin, maybe I can uh, come check, come check out and, you know, physically check out your shop and all that. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And if anybody wants to find me and message me directly, the best way to do that's on Twitter. Actually, um, you can search Nolan Gore on there, SMB leadership guy, but the handle is leadership Acad one. Um, you're welcome to DM me and I appreciate you guys very much and appreciate the podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks so much, Nolan. Is there anything we're leaving out? That's it for now. Take care, everybody. Cool. And if you can email me the the, the handle just so I get it correctly, um, our producer can put that handle to, for people to reach out to you in the show notes. Um, if, if you can email me, um, that way we get your yep. correct information. Well, I'm sorry I got to run, man. We could keep going all day, but I, I got a, another meeting. I got to hop on here. But thank you so much for sharing your story. And uh, hopefully we can do a part two one day. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks for sharing, Nolan. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks to Nolan for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us on today's episode. One quick takeaway I have from this interview, and, and it's a, a trend that I notice with guys who have multiple millions in revenue is they always seem to talk about the people. What I mean by that is, for example, with Nolan, 65 or so employees, over a thousand customers. And what's he talk about? If you really listen carefully, he's talking about the people. You're treating people right, your customers, treating people right, your employees. And when you really scale, and I'm learning this, just observing guys who have larger scale businesses, Dave Fairbairn, um, we, re, we um, interviewed him and featured him quite a bit in our new book, The Lawn Care Advantage. He has over a hundred employees. Same thing. He's talking about building that company culture, m- you know, making it um, enticing and persuasive to, to an employee to want to work for his company. And that's what Nolan talked about building Google reviews, not just for the customers, but he's think he's playing chess for the actual future employees that they see that this company has a credible reputation and attracting employees. So anyway, it's just a little, I'm sure you have your own takeaways when you listen to these conversations, but because we're all in different circumstances in life. But that's just something that I've noticed from guys who have larger revenues is they really are paying attention to people um, internally with employees and, of course, customers. Um, And when you're at scale, you you, you really just got to, like he said, you got to make sure the gates are closed so Fluffy's not running down the street and you're losing a customer for something silly like that. But at the end of the day, we have to impress people, um, whether they're going to you know, work with us and join our teams or we're going to serve them, um, that everyone's happy. You got your dream team of customers. You got your dream team of employees, subcontractors and things of that nature. Alrighty. I want to let you guys know, um, the audio book is out. If you have missed the news, uh, our latest book, the lawn care advantage, I got the paperback sitting right here on my desk. Um, winning strategies for a thriving landscaping business. Uh, we did, um, have a unique perspective on this where I went out and I interviewed folks, We have about 13 of those stories captured in this book, as well as my kind of cutting edge thoughts on the industry and and what's those winning strategies to build efficiency, profitability, attract the right people on the bus. And we talk quite a bit about financial management in this book. Uh, There's a bonus um, chapter that was written, contributed by Joey Coberly, who's my personal bookkeeper. And Joey actually unpacked from his perspective of overseeing, you know, close to 40 lawn care businesses books. What does it mean to know your numbers from his perspective? 
And he talks about, of course, the balance sheet, the statement of cash flows, the profit and loss statement, but he he presents it in a way that probably a seventh grader could understand. He he makes some of these things that, you know, the 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 Harvard people are making sound sophisticated. He, he, Joey has a skill of, of explaining it so you and I can understand what does it mean to know our numbers without all the fancy vocabulary and vernacular and, and haughtiness, but how do you price your services on point to be profitable? How do you financially manage a business so that, you know, it is effect, effectively as profitable as possible? Joey's an expert at that and he shares his expertise as well as many others um, in the brand new book, The Lawn Care Advantage. So the audiobook is narrated by the one and only Mr. Producer, and you can listen to that exclusively on Audible. Thanks for listening to today's show. Smash that follow button, and we hope to catch you on the next episode of the Green Industry Podcast. Don't miss your chance to level up at the 2023 Equip Expo in Louisville, Kentucky. From October 17th through 20th, you can explore the best in landscaping and hardscaping across the 1,000 exhibits. Make the most of this event and use my promo code POLL to save a whopping 50% off your registration. Just check out the link in our show notes and let the growth of your business take center stage at the Equip Expo. Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.